Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, my name is Shoshana Bean, and you are listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Today is an extra special episode of the podcast as we have one of the finest vocalists and Broadway performers in history. With credits including Hairspray, Godspell, Waitress, Funny Girl, Beaches, and of course Wicked, a show that saw her replace original green girl Adina Menzel in the show, it's safe to say this person knows a thing or two about being centre stage. As a recording artist, she's released albums, performed in concerts, and gained personal friendships with some of the finest in the industry. And this Christmas, she's a special treat just for you. Joining together with a host of friends for her very own festive concert, perfectly titled Sing Your Hallelujah, direct from the world-famous Apollo Theatre. It's connection, tradition, and the power of love that's sure to shine brightest. Here to tell me and you about how you can share in the love this December, strap in, as up next, it's the legendary Shoshana Bean on Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To comply with regulations and ensure our conversation is fully COVID secure and safe, just to let you know that Shoshana and I connected digitally, so please do forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Going all the way to Portland now, direct from London to speak to one of my all-time favourite people. I cannot believe she's on the podcast today. Please help me welcome to Eleven. It's only Shoshana Bean. Hello. Hello, my love. It's good to see your face and hear your voice again. It's so nice to see you. I haven't seen you in such a long time. I mean, that is sort of the theme of 2020, sadly, but especially with you, because we've not had you in London for so, so, so long. And we're going to get to talk about some of the amazing things that you've done. But just to say thank you so much for being part of this and giving me a little bit of your time. It's, it's, it's going to be amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, a pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And yes, I miss you guys terribly. I think one of the places and one of the things I wanted to do more than anything during this weird year of of restriction and isolation, I was like, I just want to be in London. I just wish I could go to London. What's the first thing you're going to do when 40s over? Go to London. <laughs> I'm usually there like once a year. So this is this is tough to have a year go by without being there. It's rough. You are. And, and as you mentioned, you are here quite a lot. And that's one of the great mm-hmm. things about, I guess, you coming and doing shows here is we get the opportunity to sort of make you ours 
for you know a few days or mm. perhaps even a week which we always feel very very special and I know that you've worked with Club 11 a few times and the shows you put on are ridiculous I was talking to, to Darren one of the producers of this podcast beforehand just saying do you remember this amazing moment oh and do you remember this amazing moment and mm. another one it's it's ridiculous every time you come here and, and fingers crossed I know that there's a few things in the pipeline so fingers crossed we can get you back in the not so distant future so yes, yeah let's please. keep everything crossed for that but um, I should say as well that um, I can imagine anyone that's listening to this because you are on my timeline very very frequently will have lots and lots of questions that they're going to hope I ask so I do feel quite a lot of pressure <laughs> today I must confess so I hope I get no. to your question if, if, I, if you're listening to this and I don't I'm just going to apologise in advance because when you've had a career like Shoshana's you've got a lot to discuss and we could be here for the 24-hour podcast, but that it isn't. So <laughs> let's jump in, let's dive in, let's have lots of fun and let's see how we get on. So before we, um, I click record on this, I was just reminding Shoshana of the first time that I actually well, spoke to you. I didn't meet you, I actually spoke to you, which makes me really happy to sort of go full circle and have you on the podcast because it was when I was at university and back in the days where the, I think the only way you could really speak to a theatre star was sort of through early stages of social media. I'm not quite sure Twitter was there. And I wrote on your Facebook page wall, I think they still exist. Um, and yeah. you very kind, I said, please, can I interview you? I'm such a fan. And you very kindly replied and said, yes. So thank you from, I think it was 19, 20 year old me for saying yes, all those years ago, I feel like we've done a, a big, big full circle moment. So um, let's oh, talk man, about that this. Makes me happy. I love that story. Let's um, <laughs> let's talk about this exciting new stream that you've got. I mean, it's your social media. It looks incredible with the countdown. It was like the proper official countdown to Christmas. Um, it's called Sing Your Hallelujah, and it looks insane. I mean, if you wanted to get a creme de la creme of lineups, I mean, you sort of peaked now. I mean, good luck getting a better lineup <laughs> next year is all I'm going to say. But um, I guess in your own words, talk me through, I guess, where the idea came from, because you've done a, a show that's very similar to this in 2018 and 19. Obviously, that was in the theatre and now you've gone global. So tell me everything. Yeah, I mean, it all started because of my album release show for Spectrum at the Apollo, and Cynthia Erivo was a special guest. And after the show, my best friend was with us in the dressing room, and she was like, the two of you together, it's just like something happens. It's magical. It's We just want to like be in a room with you. Like The chemistry is really incredible. You guys should like have a, like a TV show together. And of course, my wheels started turning, and I'm like, TV show, it'd be a variety show, but we can't do that because Cynthia's busy and I've got so good like you know what I mean my wheels start turning really fast when I get inspired and so I think it was like the next day or the day after and I remember I was in the bathroom and I was like what's a way we can do this ride like the like the momentum that we've just created and do it soon I was like Christmas because I think of variety shows I think of Christmas and then I was like why don't we just do a live one at the Apollo and not worry about TV for now like let's just do one mm -hmm. um and maybe we can like film it and pitch it and then go from there but for right now and I'm very much like someone who needs immediate gratification so I'm like the quickest thing we can do so before the week uh, like after my um release show was even out we were sitting down with my producer and discussing like how we were going to make a Christmas show happen so we did and it was beyond our wildest expectations so then we're like we're definitely doing it again and so we did it last year and um then we spent the majority of this year pitching it as a television special for this christmas and you know things being as like sort of um murky as they are in the mm. entertainment and budgets and timelines and it just wasn't in the cards so we started talking about how to film a smaller stripped down version that we could afford producing on our own not this big budget extravaganza that we're thinking of doing. And then as the year continued to go by, we were like, you know, tone wise, 
I think it's more appropriate that we not put on a big, you know, candy coated spectacle when mm-hmm. people are like losing lives and jobs and home, like left and right. It's just been this year of sort of like stripping away. And so we started to talk about how we would do a show small, stripped down. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, over here, things stopped. Like Cynthia went back to work to finish filming Aretha and um, we lost the opportunity to make anything with her. But I still was like, there's got to be, I, I can't let this go. There has to be a way to still plot board and maybe she can, you know, we can get her to record some things um, on location in Atlanta and we could fly it in and edit it in. And it just didn't work out with like their COVID protocol and like everything. So, um, so yeah, we just plowed forward and making it happen at the actual Apollo, turning it into a film. It really is a film. It's like a documentary style making of concert film. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the, as I was creating this actual like set list and pulling the team together, I just was like really emphatic about it, not being like overtly, the commercial side of Christmas. I yes. didn't want to wear red velvet and I didn't want to have twinkle lights and snow. And like, because I wanted to get back to, I think what we've done all year long and I say it in the film, I think what we've done all year long is strip away excess to what's the most important being with our families, being outside, going on walks, cooking good meals, you know, getting back to the the heart of our craft, connecting with other humans in mm-hmm. whatever way we can. Like, I think we really all sort of had a big wake up call as to what is the most important. So for me, as a Jewish woman approaching a Christmas show, it is let's get back to what it really is about and not the the sort of commercial um, although I love all the commercial things about it and I miss the traditions that we have every year because of the commercial side, but like, let's get back to the connection and let's get back to faith and surrender and hope and love and like all of those things. So that's kind of what it turned into. That's a long answer. <laughs> you can no, edit it. It's a good answer. It's a good answer because I love the fact that we're looking for different variances within Christmas, different things to celebrate, different ways to look at, particularly this year, you know, not to sort of reflect too much, but looking at ways that we can celebrate life. And and one of the things that I wrote down was connection, tradition, and the power of love. And I loved that. The second I read it, I thought, of course, this is something that I want to watch. And approaching it from that direction means that for you as a creative, I imagine it's probably very exciting because you get to do something that the, the likelihood of anybody else seeing something like that before is very slim and therefore it feels like you're originating and creating something new and in this year of all years probably a great great fun as well I hadn't thought about that I mean I I always just sort of like like keep unraveling my threads of inspiration and I don't really think about I have this vision for what I'm making but then you know thinking about no one else has done anything like this doesn't cross my mind thinking about um you know mostly I just I I I understand that the way that we're approaching it may be difficult for some people. I think that a lot of people don't want to feel all the feelings that this year has drummed up. They don't want to reflect on the challenges. You know, I I got a beautiful message from a friend of mine um, after she watched it and she was like, I didn't know how badly I needed this. She was a mess after and for a while after she watched it. And she was like, I just didn't realize how I'd just been holding it together all year long, just being strong for myself and for everyone around me. And I just didn't know that I needed to let go and like have a huge grieving cry. And I think that may be uncomfortable for some people, you know, we, we, we try to avoid those feelings. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know, I, I'm proud of what we did. I think it's important. And I think if you're up for, for what I intended it to be, which is an opportunity to grieve and heal and reflect and celebrate and look forward with hope, then, then 
then yes, it's for you. If you want a candy confection, amazing distraction, um, I've heard Mariah Carey's special is incredible. So like that's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we're the complete opposite end of the spectrum for whatever it is that you're, you know, you need. We're kind of the anti-Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> how did um, how did you come to pick the people that you invited to be part of it with you as well? Because I, I sort of joke and reference it at the start, but it really is sort of the creme de la creme of vocalists and performers and Broadway stars with more Tony nominations and awards than you could <laughs> ever even imagine. It's it's kind of it's kind of a little bit embarrassing how talented these people are. I mean, come on. I was just going to say, it's embarrassing to ask them to come along when I'm like, I, I'm the only non-Tony nominee up here. Um, she was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like, bless you. There's, um, there's so many friends that I have that just also happen to be insanely talented, you know? So I think it was a combo factor of like picking people that I knew uh, share my heart and my would be in alignment with my intention, you know, mm-hmm. that could come there and sit down and look me in the eyes, even from six feet away. And we could tell a story together, you know, yeah. and that just happens to be Tony Award nominee, Gavin Creel and, Davin, and Daniel J. Watts and get Jeremy Jordan and your, you know, in, UK's own Connie Talbot, who is yes. extraordinary. And we were just introduced this year through a mutual friend. So it all fell together really beautifully. And it was a combo platter of like, I want to do this song. Who could I do this song with? I know. Or like Connie's in the show. What duet will we do? I know. You know, so it was kind of like a cross cross breed of like, if I want to do this song, who are the best people to do this with? And Gavin and Shayna immediately came to mind, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I say it in the film. I feel like I'm being redundant because I'm just saying everything I say in the film. But like, you know, I say that... Um, that it's, I love doing what I do, but it just makes it even more special and magical to do it with people I love. And you know what, as I'm thinking about it right now, I feel like I have to credit Darren Bell with this because when I first started coming to London and I was performing for club 11 and Darren was just so insistent that I always have special guests that I needed to pack the bill with special guests because it will make it more appealing for the London audiences to come to my shows if I have their favorites up there too. And I was really resistant and took great insult to that, you know, like I'm not enough, like we need all these other people. But I got to tell you, like when I would acquiesce and do it, which I always did, um, it always ended up being my favorite part to meet and work with new incredible people. This is how I met Eva. This is yep. how I met. Um, it's not how I met Richard, but it was another opportunity to work with Fleishman. You know what I mean? It's how I met Rachel Tucker, Marcus Collins, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like um, these people who I loved sharing the stage with and also have become dear friends. So um, I used to really resist collaboration and I really truly think it's because of Darren and his insistence that I do it, that I realized how fucking great it is and how you learn something new and how it enhances your own experience and the performance and you meet these wonderful people and the chemistry but like Rachel and I like you know what I mean we have so much fun on stage together she's a ball um so I I, I've learned that that's like my favorite part truly do you think it sort of has also allowed you to, you know, like when you're on stage and you're obviously focusing and wanting it to go well and, and so, so invested, do you think it allows you when you have someone else come in to sort of break out of that cycle and, and take in the moment, I guess, you know, to go, oh, yeah. here we go. Okay. I, I almost, yeah. I don't want to say have fun, not have fun because I feel like, of course you always have fun on stage, but to sort of just take a moment to breathe in and out. 
Yeah, I think it does actually, exactly as you say, call you to be more present. When you're alone out there, you're in self-judgment. You're only, you know, you're in, uh, I, let me speak for myself. <laughs> I have a tendency to be in my head, be judging what's coming out of my mouth, like be more hyper-focused. When a Rachel Tucker comes out or when a Connie Talbot comes out, now all my energy is over there with you. Now we're telling the story together. Now it's about the chemistry and whatever's happening in, happening in the moment. And yes, I have much more grace for the presence of the moment when I'm with someone else than I do when I'm out there alone. So yes, you are very astute in that observation. At what point in the year did you film the special itself? <laughs> a month ago. A month ago. So <laughs> was that your first time, I guess, back in a, I say a proper theater, all theaters are proper, but a huge space like that. Oh yeah. What was that yeah, moment I like? One live, I did a live stream from LA in Hotel Cafe, which is a small venue, which was mm -hmm. really special and also painful to do. Super weird to be there without an audience. To walk back into the Apollo, um, I got to be honest, like the moment when I'm in the theater before it gets filled up at the Apollo specifically is my favorite because the space is so magical that like you get to take this moment where it's quiet and it's empty and you're like fuck this is the Apollo and you take it in and you feel it all before the wild audience comes and it is always wild um but this year like I think I just was grateful that we made it happen and the focus again was so so hyper on on getting it done we didn't have a ton of time so it was like here we are I had my moment the magic okay we gotta go we gotta go <laughs> so um yeah it sucked to not have the audience but it created a different thing I still felt like I was communicating towards something um my energy was moving towards you know the cameras are there so there's still you know the audience is still there in my in my mind you know I'm still performing to this massive space so. yeah Totally. Um, I love one of the videos that you posted on your social media. I think it would be a fair while ago now. I feel like it might be around about a year ago. So probably this time sort of last year when you were doing the show then of sort of like a behind the scenes video of you getting ready to go on stage. Oh, the yeah. drama. I was literally like, this is drama with a capital D. Like this is so <laughs> exciting. And it's, as, as independent, I imagine, as that moment is getting yourself into, into getting to, ready to perform, to go onto stage, to think, okay, I've got to deliver a great product and be as authentic to myself it must be so unbelievably exciting as well, like getting the opportunity in your career to create these incredible, incredible shows. Yeah. I mean, I think I have to keep checking myself because I think if I had told me three years ago, like you're going to do these things, I would have been so excited. But when I'm in it and I want it to be a certain level, I get so caught up in the details and the micromanaging and the controlling of like all these things because I want it to be the best possible thing it can be that I've, I've robbed myself a lot of times of like really enjoying the moment and the excitement. As you say, once we're out on stage, usually that stuff goes away and I just let myself take the ride, but I'm really trying to be conscious as I, as I grow older and have more and more of these beautiful experiences to really just like, as you said, take it in, enjoy the excitement. And, and if it's messy, let it be messy. Like, you know, we do our best. <laughs> Ever since you did the show that you referenced with Cynthia, I've become low-key obsessed with just seeing what you're going to wear. I'm always like, I wonder what <laughs> she's going to wear. I mean, the outfits, the fact that you literally basically changed every song, it was like ridiculous. I was like, give us time to breathe, woman. Yeah, come on, come on. But I know. can you let us in on a couple of secrets as to perhaps what you might be wearing during this special? I mean, I imagine it, it's not going to be sort of PJs laying at home. It's going to be glamour, right? I think it's kind of like, I mean, my, I had it made, I had it custom made from my, by my friend Ashton Michael, who I've been working with since, um, 
gosh, since I moved to LA in like 2008, seven or eight. So he's been making stuff for me custom since then. And, and I told him, I was like, I, I, I want it to be understated, but still festive in some way. And so um, there's only one outfit. I had no intention of changing clothes. Again, I just wanted to strip away the sort of excess and the parade. I mean, we all love, you know, we're not monsters. We love the costume parade. We love it. We live for it. We know what we're doing. We know every time we walk out, there's going to be a gasp and applause. That's why we go to Christian Siriano. Like we know what we're doing, but it just didn't feel appropriate this year. And even when Cynthia and I were discussing doing the two of us in a small way, we were like, we should just wear, you know, something really understated, beautiful, simple. Like we just felt like it wasn't appropriate to do that this year to like, you know, act like what happened this year didn't happen. And so I feel like Ashton did a really good job of, you know, it's festive in that it's, it's velvet and it's a sheer sort of like, you know, ball skirt, but it, it is also like, um, it's black. I wanted you to see it and be like, that's great. And never think about it again. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. How long is the, um, the show itself available for? Is there a certain amount of time that somebody would be able to, to sort of get it from? Is it available from now? And I guess up until when? It is streaming on demand until January 9th. So you oh, wow. can okay. um, just buy a ticket to stream it. And once you buy the ticket to stream it, you can stream it as many times as you want. It's not a one-time thing. So um, there's also an option to um, upgrade to a VIP ticket, which will give you the download of the album as well. Oh, wow. Amazing. So there's there's lots of different opportunities, I guess, to get your Shoshana Bean fixed, which is, let's be honest, what we are all looking for this year, because we've all been locked away for too long. So if you can't go to Shoshana, Shoshana will quite literally come to you, which is unbelievably exciting. Um, didn't you also have, I think it's in, uh, when you was streaming in the States, you have like special VIP things where there were like post-show conversations and stuff. Didn't you have like a ridiculous, yeah, did, did you have like a ridiculous, like top tier talent that was involved in that as well? I was like, <laughs> how many amazing people can you get connected to one project? This is ridiculous. Listen, I want to get people <laughs> excited about it. And and also good conversation, like Billy Porter and Sarah Bareilles and Joel Creasy, like, of course, it's going to be a good entertaining conversation. Yeah. I think we might be, um, and maybe you can circle back with this or, or whatever in the next 24 hours, but I think we also might be doing a re sort of like event release to do it all together on Christmas night, um, where you can like hang in a zoom and, and watch it together and Q and a together. And like, we might do another event around, you know, like a re-release event type of a thing. And just to confirm for anyone that's been lucky enough to see in 2018 and 2019, the show, this is obviously different as well. This is a, a whole new show yeah. that they're getting to see. Yeah, very different. Um, really none of the same music, maybe one or two of the same songs like Oh Holy Night and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. But the shows that Cynthia and I did were like, you know, a 15 piece orchestra and backup singers and all the costume changes. And um, this one is really stripped down. It's a four piece band. Um, it's really intimate and I guess acoustic in a way um, and just super stripped down. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I cannot wait to watch it. I'm going to wait as close to Christmas as possible because I want to feel really, really festive. I want to be stuck at home and just like, right, here we go. I get to feel amazing. So please do check out the stream itself. I'm going to put all the details and stuff on the podcast and also on the tweets and everything. So please do go check it out. You did reference and drop the um, SB bomb there. So I would be sort of taken out and shot or never allowed back into a theater if I didn't ask you about Waitress and Sarah Bareilles because yeah. she, in, in the West End, that show, and 
Lucy Jones was the first person on season two who's literally just come out. And I wax lyrical about my obsession with Sarah Bareilles because I've never felt a connection to a show quite like Waitress. And it was the first time that we'd seen in a long time you coming back to Broadway and getting to take on just this beautiful, beautiful role. Um, firstly, do you remember what it was specifically about that show and perhaps musically that made you want to you know, get back on the boards and come back to Broadway? Um, well, to be really honest, it wasn't even on my radar. It was just a straight up offer. Um, it was a brief conversation. It was Gavin Creel's idea, to be honest with you. He hit me up in January because he was backstage and he was sick. And uh, he, we were FaceTiming because I was sick. And, um, and so he said something like, I'm doing Waitress right now. I'm really sick. And he's like, why haven't you been in Waitress? And I'm like, why would I be in Waitress? Like, I don't, I look at the women who played it and I'm like, we're nothing alike. Why would I be? In he's like, I'm going to talk to Sarah about it. And then I think he circled back like a week later and was like, I talked to Sarah about it. She thinks you're more of a Becky, but I really think you should get your people like on it to talk to like the team and just see if there's a way. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I don't really, I don't often try to like pursue shit like that. So I was like, no. And then the next thing I knew, I think it was like a month later, I just got a, a straight up offer. And I was like, this is crazy are you sure they don't want a work session? Are you sure they just are giving me this? Like, this is insane. And my first instinct was like, I can't do this. I can't, like, it's, this is so out of my comfort zone. And also like my, in my opinion, like my sort of zone of genius or like my wheelhouse, like this is, and, and that is exactly why I said yes, because I was like, you're scared. You're scared. You're afraid what people will think. You're afraid you'll, you'll fail. You have to do it. So wow. that's what took me back. Do you think you were scared of it because of this, the, you know, the legacy of the role or specifically the fact that she is a very vulnerable woman? Obviously, she's incredibly powerful, but because you do sort of have to, to coin the phrase, leave it all on the stage, you know, there is no hiding with Jenna. Right. I don't think I was worried about leaving it all on the stage. I think I was worried about being judged um, as like not a strong enough actress. Okay. I knew that it was going to be really emotional. And I thought, I wonder if I'm going to do this right you know, I wonder if I have it in me to do this. And then uh, I think I just thought of her as like fragile and, and yes, vulnerable and small. And I'm like, that's not my, like, that's not typically the characters I've played. So I was worried that people might be like, Shoshana, Jenna, what? And then I was worried that I wouldn't be able to, 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 to tell her story the right way or do her justice. Okay. Um, so yeah. Wow, because I leaving it all on the stage is not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not vocally, my gosh. I mean, I don't know how much you sort of dive into the YouTube world of musical theatre. It's a it's a dangerous minefield at the best of times. I've learned that the hard way myself. But <laughs> I, I will say that number one comment above everything, of course, is your ridiculous voice, but is the acting. And and I hope that you know that that really did seemingly connect with people that saw the show. And that is the number one comment that people put is this just certifies that Shoshana Bean is a fantastic actress. And I hope that, that that journey itself, apart from giving you, I imagine, wonderful memories, hopefully certifies the fact you feel comfortable taking on these sorts of roles and, and putting your acting at the front because you are fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I learned a lot more about myself in doing that role. And certainly, I think, was most proud of, of what I was able to discover as an actress. So thank you. I appreciate that. I love when I read that. I love when I hear that. I love when that was people's sort of surprise or, or comment. Um, because 
yeah, I just think it's, it's, how do I articulate it? Um, I think the challenge was in the simplicity. The challenge was in the stillness, yep. but telling her story was not hard to access. Understanding her, not hard to access. Um, I think that the diff- the challenge came in not having to work so hard or do so much, but just letting it happen to me and let it wash over me. And then, you know, it, it, but I, I thank you. I'm very proud of, of what it was. Do I think six more months would give me a whole other layer of it? You know, absolutely. Do I want another shot at it? 100%. But like, you know, for what I, where I was in my life and what I knew and, and I'm very proud. And I, and I give that to my, my castmates too. Like, you know, each different doctor that I had, you know, peeled back another layer in me, the beautiful castmates that I had that held me up and were my sort of like, you know, teammates. Yeah. You can only be as good as, as your line, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you, Gavin. I think, don't thank me, thank him. It's all his his ideas. So yeah, thank you very much for that. (laughs) Crazy ideas are good ideas, I always find. Um, One show that I know that you're very well connected to is Hairspray. It's been a big part of your life. And we are actually getting a full-scale, incredible cast production of Hairspray back in the West End. We've waited so long. We've been good. We've served our time. And now finally, it's back. Um, Being part of that show, I mean, I was reading the list of things that you understudied in that show as well. It was ridiculous. You had so many understudy tracks and there is a clip again not to reference people that have filmed in theaters but of you playing tracy where they're just like early shoshana being hearing the beauty of your voice and the complexity of your voice that that we love um being part of that sort of that original production itself um when you think back to it and the successes that it brought you and the opportunities that it brought you i imagine it's just full of so many wonderful wonderful memories but also the legacy that the show also brought as well you know it has now become a staple of modern musical theater yeah, that's crazy. I feel like there was a point where we knew that was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. I think as we were working on it, we're like, we don't know what the hell we're making. And then when we had our first audience in Seattle, we were like, oh, we're a hit. We are hot. And then as as the reviews in Seattle rolled in, then the, the, the pre-sales in New York skyrocketed and we we landed back in New York knowing we were like the sweetheart of the season for sure. Um and I'm just so proud. Every time I see a kid dance, you can't stop the beat. Every time I hear a kid want to coach, I can hear the bells or something. I mean, like, I was a part of that. Like, it's crazy to me. And more than anything, like, that show gave me my family. Like, those people are my family. Camila Marshall, Jen Gambatis, Michelle Cottrell, Jerry Mitchell, Mark Shaman, Harvey Fire. That is my family. Like, people that I speak to every day of my life came from Hairspray. So you know, aside from the professional gifts and the lessons and everything I learned and got to do, it's the people. Again, it's the people. When you're in a machine like that show, when it becomes, as you mentioned, you know, so successful very quickly and very, very popular. And I imagine the same sort of thing, I guess, happened with Wicked when you were in that. But how do you keep up with the expectation? How do you run with a show like that when you know that it's incredibly popular and people have, you know, people, they want to come, they want to be entertained, but they also want it to live up to the expectation. Because as we all know from day to day life, expectations and reality are, you know, it's it's a tough sort Mm -hmm. of marriage to try and find. Yeah, I think with Hairspray, um, we had a a genius director in Jack O'Brien. And, you know, I think what our tendency was in Hairspray, because it's a comedy and because it's a broad comedy, um, the tendency was for us to lean further into it because the audience was so responsive that we kind of stopped telling the story sometimes. But Jack would come back and be like, 
get back to the pure storytelling when you didn't know you were a hit mm-hmm. get back to like the heart of this show and the heart of these characters so for for hairspray i think jack was our grounding force for sure and i saw the difference like when i would come back and see other productions or other casts i'd be like jack needs like i just i see what he means if you don't have the heart and the purity of the intention of the storytelling it turns into like just a messy pink you know waka waka it doesn't it doesn't have the heart anymore so i think that with anything you just have to remember why you're telling the story and what the heart of it is so that was hairspray with wicked um again we were under a thumb of of associate directorship and and you know a music director and stuff like that who were keeping us wildly in check for what what our parameters were but for me with wicked i i feel like i never felt like i deserved to be there in the first place so i never really took on the massiveness of what the show was of what my role in the show was of the fact that i was adina's predecessor i mean successor um so uh yeah i think with that one i just i just kind of kept myself in a state of of not deserving so that I didn't have to like own the magnitude of where I was and what I was doing, you know. When did that come though for you in terms of, you know, personal gratification, perhaps for Wicked when you thought, do you know what? I sort of have to succumb to the fact that I've been given this role, you know, Adina's left, it's now mine. And therefore I know I have to A, deliver, you know, on a, an artistic level, but B, also allow myself to enjoy my work. When did that come? Um, I think settling into making it my own and really taking risks and not trying to just barf up my version of her performance, that came probably five or six months in when the director came and saw it. And he was like, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing on stage. And in my mind, I was like, I'm doing what Adina did. But of course, it wasn't authentic to me. It wasn't organic to me. So it didn't make sense to do the same arm movements and read lines the same way when that's not authentic to me so that was the first step was like six months in and then truly when i went on the road like six then i finished the show in january of 06 and then six months later seven months later i went on the road for four months and that was the time that i went into it having made the decision that like you very rarely get a second chance in life to approach the same role the fact that you get to do this is a miracle and i want you to go in there and have fun and reclaim like your power because you didn't have fun for a year because you were so scared of, you know, missing a show or upsetting the producers or upsetting the director, upsetting the audience or stepping too far into the spotlight, which was Adina's. Like you were so scared of so many things that you didn't spread your wings and like kick back and enjoy it. So on the road is when I was like, my voice be damned, my health be damned. I am going to enjoy these people and this time and getting to do this role again. And it was wonderful. And to give you a huge amount of credit as well, I mean, being the first person to replace any role, you know, just to use Wicked as an example, you know that the show's successful because of audience feedback, right. reviews, etc. Right. You know that from the, the, the originator. So when that person leaves and you become the first person to take it on, you have, I guess, a weight of responsibility because, you know, it might not work with one of a better phrase, but you prove that it did. And I imagine you must have felt that. You must have thought this show does stand, you know, without Adina. She was shaking your head. I can't quite believe, <laughs> believe you say no. I, I really can't believe that because... I I just don't think I paid attention. I just don't think I paid attention. I couldn't, you know, I saw the people on their feet every night. I heard them applaud when I would run out as Alphaba and they didn't know who, who I was. I certainly wasn't Adina. I also know that like 
the the day she fell and then I had to take over that night or the next day like they were all they were so supportive so I knew that I hadn't failed um I knew that I was doing something right and bringing something special to the table and I knew that the show itself was strong enough to stand that it wasn't standing on on the stilts of these two massive stars in Kristen and Adina I knew that the machine was it was running you know but I certainly didn't think I certainly didn't think I was special by any means, if that makes sense. And I think that it it wasn't really even until like last year, I went to the 16th anniversary and I went and saw the show and sat in the audience and I just w- grieved. I just wept for two and a half hours because I was like, that was me. I did that. I wore that dress. I ran around the state. I did. I flew like that. Like you just don't have any perspective of what it feels like to sit in the audience and see that because you don't get to, you're on stage doing it and it doesn't feel like that up there. Right. So it took till last year to be like, Holy shit. I did that. I did that every day for a year and a half for almost two years. Holy shit. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's I just think I couldn't own the massiveness of it because I would have had to acknowledge that I was deserving or worthy and I just couldn't do it back then. I just couldn't do it. That's crazy. That's and very, very honest of you to say that. I hope you don't mind me saying that that's a very honest admission that, you know, sometimes the personal doubt does sort of take over and it takes a oh, while yeah. for you to go, do you know what? I've got this for a reason. And if you sort yeah. of you almost gotta have a little bit of a word with yourself, don't you? And say oh, you either sure. lose it or you learn how to channel it in the best possible way. And it it very much sounded like you did manage to do that. Eventually. I wish I had had someone in my ear back then being like, bitch, this is not going to last forever. This is a magical moment. You better look around every five seconds and see what you've got because this is not how it works. This is not how it goes. It's not always going to be like this. And so I I try to be as, as transparent and honest and vulnerable as possible about my experiences because if there's someone listening to this who thinks that, they're going to step into the role of a lifetime and all of a sudden feel worthy and confident and deserving. It's, it's not true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I I just want everyone to be aware that like we all can examine our self-worth. We all are deserving just by nature of existing here, you know, and, and that uh, not everything is so fleeting that we just can't waste a moment being not being super grateful and super present to what's happening, you know? Yeah, definitely. How long did it take um, you to sort of become friends again or once again with the hat after the infamous hat went flying performance? How long was it before you were like, right, okay, we could be friends again? No, no time at all. <laughs> we, you know, those things are so, uh, I think I, I, someone posted that video this year. Someone it was like a meme going around about like 2020. They were like saying, That's that the hat asked, 2020, yeah. right? <laughs> so I immediately texted it to uh, my wig person, the hair, the guy who was my hair guy uh, when I was playing the role. And I'm like, yo, do you remember this? And he's like, how could I ever forget? He was like, from that moment on, I basically used a staple gun to attach that hat to your head. And I was like, I remember, I mean, honey, they, they attached that thing. Like, I mean, I, you could have, you could have levitated by pulling on the hat. Like you could have lifted me in the air by doing that. It was so well attached, but, um, you know, I, I forgot all about it because like it's live theater and like shit happens every show. Mm. So, um, but yeah, when I went and saw the show last year and I went backstage to see Hannah, who was playing the role at the time, I was like, can I, can I see the hat? Can I touch it? Can I put it on my head? Like, yeah, it's a weird, yeah, it all feels very emotional and like 
close but so far away all at the same time. It's a that show in particular. I think every green girl has like weird memories, sweet and bitter to do with that show. Everyone's had a massive experience for sure. It's a it's a game changer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you about your connection to The Greatest Showman. Um, I actually don't know what that is. So do you want to walk me through, I guess, were you involved in some way in terms of the creation of the show? Or should I say the I film? Wish. No, I, uh, I um, have known Benj and Justin since they graduated from college and moved to the city, right? Benj was waiting at the stage door of Wicked, like waving a CD of their writing in my face. And I was like, sure, I'll take a listen, kid. Um, and from then then onward, we've been friends and collaborators and they're wonderful guys. So they hit me up when they were in, I had just finished Beaches, I think, and had just finished bouncing back and forth to you know London to do a bunch of shows. And I was exhausted and they were in LA and they're like, we're making this demo for this movie and we need you to sing it. And I was like, you're gonna have to get someone else. I'm tired. I don't want to sing. I'm taking a month off. Call this girl, call this girl. No, it has to be you. I can't do it, you guys. I don't want to do it. I don't care. How much will it take? I don't want your money. I can't literally. And they were like, Shoshana, please. So I went and did it. And I, the second I heard, he started, I go in the studio and Ben starts playing the song. And I was like, I'm so glad I'm here. Like this (laughs) song is, is epic. It's more, whatever this movie is like, and I already knew about the movie because probably a year prior or two years prior, maybe I had laid demos for two other friends of mine who just wrote Jingle Jangle, this beautiful movie. Oh, incredible. So they had, uh, taken a shot at writing the music for this Hugh Jackman movie about, you know, P.T. Barnum. And I'm like, I'm not, I've already done this. Like I already did the demos for this. And they're like, well, they've, you know, they're trying these other writers and Benj and Justin. And, um, and so I just remember being like, I don't care what this movie is. This song is bigger than whatever this movie is going to be. Like this song is a movement. This song is an anthem. You guys, when can I sing it? And they're like, you literally can't sing it until the movie comes out. So I had to sit on that song for damn near two or three years before I was able to like, perform it and sing it i just why are you biting me my dog decided to come in and harass me (laughs) she's ready to play um yeah so that's that's my connection to the movie amazing and and what a film it went on to and you are part of that legacy and that journey and you know it's probably something i imagine you're very very proud to have been part of um totally 20 20 for my friends like mostly to help my friends out and to see like their success but yeah i'm proud of it 2024 is the official 10-year anniversary of my favorite Shoshana Bean song, Runaway Train. I would like to know, uh, what are we having a solo concert? Are we having a live stream? Can I please have five tickets? What are we doing? Of the song? Just yes. the concert of the song on repeat? On repeat, yes. yes. You got it. Just for you. Okay. Great idea. You arrange it. I'll be there. Okay. And literally, <laughs> it's, just, it's just the Runaway Train song on repeat. You could do it yeah, different key every repeat. time. <laughs> Don't they do that with Mariah? They just put that song on repeat all day long on certain stations. Like we can just do that. Literally just time again and again and again and again. We get some famous friends to come. You've got lots of different friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want Just a couple more questions before we end. I wanted to ask you about, um, I guess, the other side of being an artist. So we were talking about, you know, success and celebration and, and so many amazing opportunities and roles and concerts and performances that, that you've got to do in your career. And, and as much as I joke, if you, you know, just type into Google Shoshana's resume or, or Wikipedia page or anything and just have a look at her website of the amazing things that you've been part of, when you have a career like that and you looking for new things and fresh things and fresh ideas and things don't come or you run out of ideas or 
you know, how do you keep going? How do you make sure you're being true to not just the career that you've had, but also be true to the person that those instances and those roles and those opportunities have made? How do you, how do you stay grounded essentially and, and make sure that it's the right thing for you? I think I'm far too grounded. In fact, I think I'm underground most of the time. <laughs> um, so I think staying grounded isn't super hard for me, but um, I think it's just about staying inspired and knowing that like the road isn't a straight one. It's very curvy. I mean, if you look back on all these things that you are so flatteringly um, referencing, it's like you would have never predicted that I would start here and be here now, right? Or the sort of winding road of the music that I write and produce or the shows that I've chosen to do. No one would have guessed I would have done Waitress. Do you know what I'm saying? No one ever suggested it. And all the like dream casting roles, no one ever said, I want to see Janice Jenna. So like, I think it's just like being present and going moment to moment and, and following the breadcrumbs, like following the inspiration. And I've learned again, Waitress being a prime example, like, to move on that inspiration and not stop to let fear talk me out of it to just like, you know, hear it and move on it or get the offer and move on it. You know, definitely. What do you think the the girl from Godspell would think of sing your hallelujah? <laughs> well, now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I mean, I think she wouldn't believe it. Honestly, I think she wouldn't believe that we just made a movie in the middle of a fucking pandemic. That's now you just now you just made me like have to face myself. So thanks for that. <laughs> you are one of my all time favorite people. And I mean that very, very genuinely. It's very easy to fall into a trap of of saying that in, you know, in, in a slightly dishonest way. But I mean it very, very honestly. You are a remarkably kind person, not just with your time, but for many interviews that we referenced at the start, but also with the roles and opportunities that you give for people to come and experience you live, not just in America, but also coming to the UK as well. And I know I speak for an army of my personal friends, myself included, and very proudly so, in saying thank you for sharing your talent with not just audiences where you are, but also here in the UK. And fingers crossed, we will get you full-time leading a West End show in the hopeful not-so-distant future. But just best of luck with Sing Your Hallelujah. It's amazing. I massively, massively encourage everybody to spend their Christmas watching it because you're going to have an absolute blast. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. So good to see you and talk to you. I'll talk to you very, very soon. Bye for now. Have a good holiday. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at club11.london or via our official social channels. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.